When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, hockey fans. <laughs> the final chase for the Stanley Cup is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final has a can't-miss offer for the most exciting series in sports. New customers can bet $5 on either team to win their game and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the final? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings, of course, is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, even when you're on the toilet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Quarterback. Oh, yeah. System quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Heard it here first from Mile High Mario on the That's Good Broncos podcast. There's three minutes left in the Avs game right now. Third period tied up. We don't know what's going to happen, but we had to start recording because uh, I think it's going to will a goal for the Avalanche. Uh, here with Will Keys as well. Today's episode up, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up at DraftKings or I will punch you. Is that in the ad read? No, they said, and they also said stop threatening our customers. So, I mean, honestly, that's the reason that I bought their product because I know you know where I live yeah, and exactly. I didn't want Turner rolling up on me. So I just go door Fear to door works. and I knock. I'm like, hey, do you use my promo code at DraftKings? <laughs> like, sir, I will call the cops on you. My ring doorbell have seen you doing this too many times. Uh, anyway. Same people that will ask for your autograph and a picture at training camp. Nah, those people are good people. <laughs> uh, training camp will start soon. Today, there's not a lot of news happening right now. So it's a great time to have Mario on the show. 
uh, Mario knows. They only want to bring me on on the really slow news days. Yeah. Well, you know a lot of the players. You have stories. You've got insight. I mostly want to talk about sh- uh, talk shit about Pat Shermer today. Maybe get I, some I could talk about that for, for days, man. As, as often as you want, as long as you want. I'm I'm with it. Yeah. I'm going to title this episode, How Bad Was It? And I just want to know. However how, bad you think it was. It was worse. It was worse. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> I freaking like, knew you, it was not good. Even, you, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. I've got some really good little nuggets here that I have not shared publicly. So Ooh, this would be a good place. I was I was yeah. waiting for like a good um a good place to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like when, you know, celebrities sit down with Oprah, yeah. basically. We're the Oprah of, of the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. That's good sports and that's good show. Yeah. You say no. That? That's good like show Dr. is that Phil. good sports. Yeah. We're more like the Dr. Phil of the Broncos, especially with that mustache Will has coming in. Yeah. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> like <laughs> shit, doctor. That drawl on it. It sounds like. You no, know, I think he's like actually, I heard somewhere he's not actually a doctor. No. They just kind of call him Dr. Phil, right? Like for TV purposes. He's a love he doctor. He is a crook. He is a crook. Um, what else was I going to talk about? Mostly, mostly that. And but I wanted to get before we get into talking shit about Shermer and how misused the players were, uh, because if you don't know, Mario knows many of the players, has real life good relationships with them, does body work for them. Mario, what's what's your business? Where can people get their body touched by you? I mean, anywhere you find me, really. But if you yeah, want to do it, in a met, prof- if, you, if you want to do it in a professional setting, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you can get information on me. Go to vitanzytherapy.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, even though I don't recommend it. Uh, but you can certainly reach me at Mile High Mario on Twitter, at Mile High Mario on Instagram. Instagram's yeah. way more tame than I am on Twitter. I don't recommend following me, like I said. But I you, know, if you just wanted to, you just wanted to reach out to me, you know, and schedule an appointment. Don't feel obligated to follow me. But yeah, if you want to schedule a session, uh, my books are always open, and I can always make time for Perna's adoring fans. And I let Mario touch my wife. That's how much I trust him. <laughs> So, and myself, <laughs> sometimes never at the same time yet, but that's in the works. Oh, that's a good idea. I would want to charge you double for that, but I feel like it's my, I feel like honor. I should be charging be you half. for that. I, I feel yeah. like, I feel like I would have to charge you half because I'm really getting the better, better end of that. Yeah, that's true. Okay. There's 13 seconds left in this apps it's, game. It's looking like it's going to go into I don't want to. I don't want to say it because as soon as we say that, that's going to happen. Okay. The lightning are going to. All right. It's, net it's one. official. No, it stopped. Clock stopped. Stopped at four. Why am I so far behind? I'm at thirty-two point six seconds. Wow. Well, it's because you're on the west coast. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Okay. Do you Literally, have dish? It is it's probably because you have dish. I have YouTube TV. <laughs> oh, well, that's probably it too. Then. <laughs> okay. That might. That might be it. First question for you, Mario. We know Russell Wilson's good. We know he's going to make the Broncos better. We've talked about it for months. What is the difference you're seeing in terms of maybe like the way the players not named Russell Wilson are feeling about his presence there? Like, other than it just being, you know, 
a little bit of excitement and positivity and guys knowing, you know, they've got a QB, like is, do you have a takeaway in terms of what players are sort of feeling about him and like the new coaching staff as well? I mean, I think it's, it's important to lay out first and foremost, that the fact that he's built exactly like me, I think bodes well (laughs) for everybody. And, you know, of all the guys that I talk to, that seems to be the number one thing that they keep harping on is like, man, Russ is built just like you, Mario. He must be there. There it is right there. Is Is that me or Russ? I can't really tell. You know, if if I was out in the sun a little bit longer, that might look a little bit like Mario. You both have very girthy legs. so (laughs) I appreciate that. That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. (laughs) Um, No, in, in all seriousness, all the guys that I've talked to and I've talked to, almost all of the receivers, uh, a lot of the offensive line. And it's all the same thing. It's like before, like you hope to make a playoff push, you hope to win games. And now it's, it's on the other end where that's the expectation. They expect to win games. They know they're going to win games. The bare minimum is making the playoffs, but it's not just sneaking in as a wild card. It's winning the division and making a run at the Super Bowl. And it's just a seismic change. And I think that you feel that. And a lot of the guys – they they feel Russell Wilson's energy and say what you want about him. And I know he gets accused of being corny and this and that, but I mean, the guys follow his lead. He's he's proved it on the field and you can call him corny all you want, but the guys rally around him and his record speaks for itself. His statistics speak for himself for themselves. So obviously whatever he's doing is working. And I think it's just the tone that is set in the locker room is so unbelievably different and it's not even an indictment on drew lock or an indictment on teddy bridgewater uh but it's russell wilson yeah that's honestly all that you can say that's the only way that you can really describe it is like you can't even put a russell wilson into words because these guys they're just talking about how just the energy and the aura is completely different just from his mere presence and so i think when you're getting that shift of hoping to win to now expecting to win the, the guys approach the game completely differently. And you know, and I know we're going to talk about it. Probably the other biggest part that like the other biggest domino that had to fall was Shermer being fired. And, yeah. you know, we can crap on him all we want and we can do, we can be tongue in cheek about it. We can be funny about it. But when push comes to shove, he was a terrible offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, I heard from a lot of the guys that he did not let Jerry Judy run routes past 10 yards routinely simply because Jerry Judy's position in Shermer's scheme did not call for him to run routes past 10 yards. So it was, it was digs. It was slants. It was short outs, quick outs, uh, you know, maybe 10 yard ends. And so he's relegated to the, like they're handcuffing him. They had a thoroughbred and they're keeping him in the stable. And a lot of the guys were telling me the receivers that they're praying for two targets, not catches targets. Like they're praying that the ball comes in their general direction twice in 60 minutes. Like, let's say that you have 50 or 60 plays, offensive plays, any given game. You're hoping that you get a what? I, I'm not good at math. What's 130th? It's, uh, it's too small to even calculate yes, that, that what that percentage is. But when, when you're going from like like begging to just get like a look or a target – to now these guys know if they're open, the ball's in their hands, out of their break, exactly where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. And so it's like everything about it is coming together. And not only do you – is it addition by subtraction by getting rid of Shermer? 
we're running the Hackett offense and, and you know, Broncos, Broncos fans, Broncos country, we're, we're wondering what that's going to look like. What, what exactly is the Hackett offense going to be? Because he's never been the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like he's called some plays, but the onus falls solely on him. And another thing that a lot of the guys were saying, the receivers is that he might have the easiest job in the world for a first time head coach. Who's going to be calling the offensive plays because for all intents and purposes, they're running Russell Wilson's offense. It's yeah. going to be a little bit of Hackett. It's going to be a lot of Russell Wilson. It's going to be very similar to when Peyton Manning was here. And he made Adam Gase look like a genius. I mean, Peyton Manning made Adam Gase look so smart that he got two head coaching jobs. That's, That's insane. Uh, <laughs> and I think that we're going to see a little bit of the same where, and, and you know, not obviously not to compare Hackett to Gase by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, but we're talking about how like, I don't the quarterback think that runs his offense. keeps uh, small children tied up in his basement, and Gase definitely does. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, yeah, slap yeah, the allegedly like, on there. But that's the, that's the comparison that we're just drawing. Just to murder life. them. To be clear, he just he Adam Gase kills children is what I'm trying to say. Well, he, he he eats them to gain their courage. <laughs> yeah, he eats them for another head coaching opportunity. <laughs> Whatever well, it takes. Yeah, I mean, I I think you touched on a a good point there where Hackett will be running whatever he's going to tool whatever they do to whatever Russell Wilson wants to do, mm. and uh, we know. When Hackett was in Jacksonville, they ran the ball a lot. And I think like a misconception about like Russell Wilson is that he just wants to throw it and never wants to run the ball. I think that's not true. And I think a lot of Russell Wilson's success is based on like a play action style of football. And the Broncos have that. They have the running backs to do it. And I think what's going to be different possibly Russell Wilson is that he has more receiving weapons than he's really had at, at the same time in Seattle. He's had great receivers. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent agree. But he does. It, it's a lot of. It's a lot. It, it feels like there's just two receivers always in Seattle's offense. Now maybe yeah, they, they got. Two. They usually got two. I mean, usually one. Honestly, because yeah. forever it was Doug Baldwin and then insert wide receiver here. And then yeah. recently it was it was it's been DK and, and Lockett, but, and but that's it. It was so, it's, a, it's a huge drop off after those two. I'll be curious to see like how much it gets spread around once Russ sort of dials into two guys he trusts all the time, and who those two guys are. Like it feels like it'll be Sutton and Judy, and then Tim Patrick. You know what I mean? And then hopefully KJ Hamler in there. But and it, like they have Alberto. They've got those. There's so many weapons. I think like people's thoughts about what Russ's limitations are. What I'm hoping Hackett brings is that narrative is kind of gone because Russell Wilson maybe finally has the creative sort of offensive play caller that he's never really had in Seattle. But that's just me guessing. Yeah, and I think you touched on a lot of good points there. It, it's weird that people think, like, yeah, Russ wanted out of Seattle, allegedly again, but these are the reports, because he wanted to throw the ball more, right? Like, he wanted to be the reason that teams, that his team wins the game. That doesn't mean that they don't want to run the ball. It's like, you want to get pretty close to a 50-50 split, because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Play action's not going to work if you're just throwing the ball every down. It's like, 
if the Chiefs try and run play action, nobody actually believes that they're going to run the ball. Right. Right. So like the, the L.A. Rams, when they run play action, nobody actually believes they're going to run the ball. So they have to establish the run. And you would have to be delusional to not see what an immense talent Javante Williams is. And from everything that I've heard, he's somehow even mo- like monumentally better at this point now than he was mm. at this point last year. Well, I think uh, where it's, like, it's really turning guys' heads. When was Russ best? It's when Marshawn Lynch was a consistent threat in the backfield. When like, he was arguably their best offensive weapon, right? Honestly. And like Seattle's had some decent running backs since then. Like Chris Carson's had some streaks. Rashad Penny came on late last season, but I think like that's been a huge missing factor of their offense and kind of their struggles. And if Javante, like I was literally thinking about this week, if Javante Williams can kind of be that Marshawn Lynch style back and that it's hard to say that because Lynch was so good, but the (laughs) the one thing, yeah, the one high bar, but the thing like Javante does like Lynch is he punishes people who tried to tackle him and he breaks tackles it's just a coincidence that they kind of have a similar running style. But I think if he is good, like you're saying, if he's better right now, then that I think is also, you know, huge for us. Well, and if we can circle back to the crapping on Shermer portion yes, of this I podcast, did want to get there. like that, that's Please the theme, that. right? So everything's yeah. got to be circled back to that. So if you're looking at the offense that they ran last year, they they wanted to try and run the ball, but they also, when they threw the ball, everybody knows they didn't go downfield. They refused to take downfield shots because that just wasn't Shermer's offense. Even though he had two receivers that were 6'4", he had arguably a top five route, for, route runner in the league in Jerry Judy. K.J. Hamler, one of the fastest receivers when he was healthy and still refused to go downfield. Like You don't bring in Teddy Bridgewater because you want to push the ball downfield, and I think everybody understood that. And that was exactly why... They signed Teddy Bridgewater. The reports were that George Payton went to Shermer and said, what quarterback do you need? Because he didn't like Drew Locke. He said, all right, what quarterback do you need to run your offense? He said, Teddy Bridgewater. He's like, all right, went out and got Teddy Bridgewater. And then what would we see? Third and eight, and Noah Fant runs a flat and or a, a drag. It's like, yeah, Noah, just break three tackles and try and get that first down. So now if we're looking at the offense from like, like an intelligence standpoint, if you're a defense facing this Broncos offense, Ideally, you want to keep about seven, maybe eight in the box if they're pounding you with Javante Williams, but you can't do that because then you're leaving Cortland Sutton one-on-one, Tim Patrick one-on-one, Jerry Judy one-on-one. You can't double everybody. In fact, if you're trying to load the box, you can't double anybody. And I guarantee you that if these three or four of these receivers are on the field, especially at the same time, somebody's going to be open within two or three seconds. And that's the that's the dynamic that like a Marshawn Lynch – or Javante Williams would bring. It's like he opens everything else up because as soon as you start focusing on that the, the deep threats, throwing the ball downfield, the Cortland Sutton's, Tim Patrick's, that's going to open up Javante Williams. You, you've convinced me that the Broncos have the best offense in the AFC West. I, no you more. know what? I mean, it, honestly, and I, I understand it, it's going to sound like I'm drinking orange Kool-Aid and I'm looking mm. through the, the orange and blue colored glasses. But if you look at it top to bottom, like, their receiving core is better than Kansas City and deeper. Uh, I mean, the Raiders is more top-heavy. I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the division. And, you know, Renfro is a great slot. But then after that, they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, the Chargers, Keenan Allen is dropping off. And Mike Williams is great when they actually throw him the ball. But if you're talking, like, guys one through four, 
I don't think it's remotely close when it comes to wide receivers in terms of like dearth of talent, because all of those guys are bare minimum a number two wide receiver. And you look at the running backs, it's like the fact that they got Melvin Melvin Gordon back and he's a double-digit touchdown guy. He's almost rushed for a 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons, and now he's coming in knowing that he's basically the B option. That's about as good of a B option as you can have. I mean, maybe Kareem Hunt is the only RB2 that is better than him from a t- statistical standpoint. So, I mean, yeah. really the only like thing that AJ they – Dillon. Yeah, the only thing that they need to figure out right now – is what is that offensive line going to look like? Because I think where it stands, Garrett Bowles is obviously locked in at left tackle. I think Quinn Miners is locked in at right guard. And outside of that, it's it's going to be over season. What do they do with Graham Glasgow then if Miners is guard? So I, I think what they are wanting to do with Graham is get him some reps at center. Now it's been tough because he's recovering from the injury, but from what I had heard, Graham was getting some run at center or they were wanting him to get some run at center because that's something that they're a little thin at. You know, they, they drafted a center late in the, late in the draft, but outside of that, they didn't have anybody right. after Cushenberry and they're, they're okay with Cush, but it's like, they feel like they, they can do all right with him, but they want to try and push him. And if there's a chance to, you know, replace him with somebody better, it's like, I think people forget a lot, a lot of fans thought, and a lot of experts thought that Glasgow would be our center. When they signed him a couple seasons ago, right. and of course, they ended up moving him over to guard. He can play both. Now, I don't know if guard is the best position for him in the in the zone scheme that they're going to run because the guards have to move a little bit. Right. Uh, and Graham's, is- a, Graham's a little bit more of like a stable guy. So he makes more sense as a center. Okay. So I think that's going to be a position battle. I think at left guard, apparently Moody has looked fantastic and they really like what he's doing. And honestly, Billy Turner – could be a dark horse to be the left guard. I know a lot of people are convinced, like dead convinced, that Billy Turner was signed to be the right tackle. But this team is sick of just like signing these one-year deals and just plugging and playing guys at right tackle. They want Calvin Anderson to take the job. So as of now, if we're basing it off of what we saw in minicamp, what we saw at OTAs, Calvin Anderson is the number one right tackle. Now we'll get a better sense of it when training camp rolls around and you know where the depth chart plays out but it is calvin's position to lose as it stands today that surprises me to be yeah honest. i didn't know any of that i would just that's assume... why we had you on that's why you have mario on the show exactly. man so what's what's that mean for reisner then so like they're... i know there's been some talks <laughs> where they like might try to move him or something like that but they they did try and trade him during the draft and that's you know that wasn't just coming from sources right like those are that's a pretty uh i I don't want to get into it i'm not gonna gonna throw anybody under the bus but i'm just telling you like all you have to say is my sources just trust me bro like they tried to move dalton um they weren't getting offered what they thought he was worth and the problem that they're going to run into in terms of like if they're trying to move him Dalton is in a contract year. He had a very good rookie season, but that's right. because a lot of it was they asked him to help out Garrett. In 2020, when they put Garrett on an island, they said, sink or swim time, you got to prove it. Garrett was an all-pro. Then uh, Dalton had to play a more conventional left guard position. We didn't quite see out of him in 2020 and 2021 what we did in 2019. 
So he's a little bit on the chopping block. And again, they're very high on Moody. And it's getting to the point where because Moody is so strong and he's so athletic and he's starting to pick up the playbook now on that left guard side, they think that he can be a better long-term option and more cost-effective than Dalton, who they would have to re-up at the end of this season. So if they find a trade partner, I mean, it, you're probably looking at a fifth or sixth round pick, maybe tops. Right. Uh, you, know, you throw in like, Dalton in a seventh and get a fourth or fifth, maybe. Because the issue that the team, like if a team trades for him, the issue they run into is they got to resign him because you're not going to trade for Dalton Reisner just to have him as a rental for one year to let him walk right. in free agency. So maybe if they work out a contract extension before they initiate the trade, then it could yeah. be possible. But other than that, it's like the where it stands right now, I just don't think that they're high on re-signing Dalton because I think he's played well enough to play himself out of a contract with Denver. And Denver knows that mm. down the road they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pay Quinn Miners on that offensive line. And down the road, you know, if Cush ends up working out, they're going to have to pay him as well. So they're looking for something that's more cost effective. And they're looking for something that honestly could be a better product on the field. Yeah, and it's never a bad thing if you have a lot of pretty good talent on your offensive line. Even if, say, Reisner isn't starting, if him and Graham Glasgow are your sort yeah, of if, like if those are your swing if those guard, are depth pieces, that's that's phenomenal. I would feel better about our line knowing like all of that depth is solid than I have in years. Well, this, this is a good problem to have, right? It's exactly. Like you can have it's it's open season, it's open competition, and like I mean, Garrett is obviously locked in at left tackle. That's not to say that Quinn won't be pushed at right guard. But I'm just saying, as it stands now, like he's as locked in as a guy in his position can get. And I would be more confident about Calvin being locked in as the right tackle if Billy Turner was practicing and we got like a sense of what they're really wanting to do with him. Right. What I will say, though, is Compton is not going to be a right tackle. He is going to be kind of that that do-it-all position where he he can come in if he needs right. to, but it, it, by nature, he's not a right tackle. He can play right tackle, but that's not his ideal position. He actually fits better at guard, but he's just one of these guys that's familiar with the offense and knows the kind of offense that they run, and they know if push comes to shove and he needs to play, then he's a decent piece to have. But he's a depth piece. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that he's on the team. And he's a but, solid but pickup. It's, it's, it's a solid pickup. There, I've seen a handful of people think that he's going to start at right tackle. And I'm here to tell you, if he's starting at right tackle, something terrible has happened. Like multiple <laughs> terrible things have happened. And again, nothing against him. That's just how it is. Right. Well, okay. Now tell me – wait. Sorry. I think they my have... takes are so hot that your fire alarm is beeping. Your smoke is that yours, detector. Will? I think – yeah, I think that's mine. I just uh... – <laughs> I summoned my girlfriend to go find a battery. Oh yeah, you so should. Hopefully, work, hopefully man. that gets resolved soon. That's what girlfriends if, are for. If you don't Absolutely. know, Mario, uh, Will's apartment caught fire about an hour after we did this podcast. Uh, yeah, before. the takes were that so, hot. Will keeping takes don't his, get hotter than that, man. No, smoke they, they certainly don't. Uh, up up to par is important. That's true. Uh, the, That's true. The abs are in OT right now. And they're looking uh, good so far. They've been on the tack, the attack getting the some majority shots. Of, of overtime. Obviously, when you're listening to this, you'll already know what happened, which would be great if you 
could have that sort of knowledge and bet on the game with DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> oh, Bob that's Abu. a fantastic plug. Nice. Yeah, hockey fans, it's the final chance for the Stanley Cup, and it's here with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. Now look, you've got some can't-miss offers here. New customers can bet $5 on their team to win their game and get $100 in free bets no matter what. Win or lose. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the final with DraftKings? Same game parlays? Do it. Do it now. Oh, I'm getting antsy because I'm watching this literally happen as I read. Oh, my God. Combine multiple bets. Like, will this game go into overtime? Oh, yes, it did. Will... The app score a goal right now. No. Okay. <laughs> Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code. Play play. Yeah. Use promo code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on either team to win their game and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code DNVR, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final. Must be 21 or older. <sighs> Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And if now, you don't, I'll come with Brandon to your house and also punch you in the face. Boom. Okay. Tell. Speaking of faces I want to punch, Pat Shermer. Give me some more <laughs> dirt on the shirt. Also, okay. So, like, Will and I, we talk about Shermer. We talk about Fangio. Uh Everybody, I think, in Broncos country, under the impression, Fangio, good defensive coach. Head coach, just average. Dog just shit. very average head coach. Dog shit. How did players actually feel about Vic Fangio? Did not like him at all. <laughs> like, I, I, not an average coach. I mean, if you want to give him average just because his defense was as good as it was, did defensive guys like him? No, no one did. The defensive guys didn't like him. The offensive guys didn't like him. Uh, apparently midway through the season, Justin Simmons, yes, that Justin Simmons, cussed him out in front of the entire defense. And when Ooh. I say that, I mean he like he called them out, okay? Like don't, right. don't get like it. Obviously right. Justin Simmons is not saying a swear word, right? Like, like Philip Rivers. Away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he yeah. – that oh, gummit, Fangio. Why a, are you so son bad? Of a gun. <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're fired up about. Yeah, man. It's uh like nobody liked it. And one of the issues that he had with Justin is like we all understand that Justin is an incredibly heady player. He's a very smart player. That's what makes him as good as he is. And so when Justin is coming to to Big Fangio after the game, saying, Hey man, this isn't working, this isn't working, we need to do this, this, and this instead. And Fangio tells him, like, all right, we're gonna do that. And then the following practice does literally the opposite of what he says he's going to do. Like guys don't respond to that. And the thing is like the guys rally around Justin. Justin is the most well-liked guy on the entire team. And I don't think it's remotely close. So then when word starts to spread that like, well, Justin Simmons, who is an all pro pro bowler, all everything safety is the highest paid safety when he got his contract extension and our stuck in his ways. Old head coach is not listening to him. That ruins morale. Yeah. And honestly, like, this is going to sound crazy. He lost that locker room maybe before he ever coached a game. 
That's how bad of a coach he was. And then in, in like in Wait, my how do you circles, do that? Was it, was it the bad. music thing? Is it he the is music the, thing? I mean, it, not specifically. It was certainly okay. one of the things. But that's, you know, if a coach doesn't play music and be like, oh, that that sucks. But that's that's just adds on to the pile of shit that he was, right? And then from my perspective, like as the body worker, like as the guy that's working on so many of these players and they're coming in saying, man, like we're like training camp is really long. It's sun up to sundown. It's this and it's that. And that's not necessarily the problem. But then the problem is Fangio is then telling them, well, you have to do this because your body has to become calloused. You have to keep hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting until your body becomes calloused. And so for a man who didn't even play college football, let alone make it to the pros, for him to say something so unbelievably ignorant, it's frustrating to these guys. Now, if he was a dude that actually played in the league and had been there, done that, and who had been hit so much that he became calloused, maybe it resonates. But because it was an old-ass Vic Fangio who only played at the high school level saying, well, you're a professional athlete. You just have to become callous. It falls on deaf ears. And then I get mad and I hated the guy because he's running these dudes into the ground. And then he's so confused as to why we have so many injuries. And then people are trying oh. to call out Lauren Landau, who is the best in the world at what he does, which is why he got this job without really even interviewing. And then people are trying to blame him even though he's going to Fangio saying, hey, Vic, here are the reasons why we have such a high injury rate. Here's why these guys are getting hurt. And then Vic Fangio responds by screaming at him, kicking him out of his office and telling him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Whoa. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. And Wait, on but are you saying Lauren Landau is better than Tony Horton of P90X fame? Uh, Lauren Landau is his daddy. Hmm. I'll get Tony Horton on this show to debate that. I don't think he would dispute it. I think, so, if, you, I okay. think if you said the name Lauren Landau to him, he'd be like, oh, that's my daddy. That's my father. That is father. Uh, I, I think Tony Horton's like in his 60s, so, so that would be... Me- metaphorical father. Mm, I take things pretty literally here, Mario. <laughs> well, I apologize. Uh, no, so the injury thing is interesting. Because injuries were a real issue. The entire uh, never, time he was the coach. I never connected that as a Fangio thing. Um, I just assumed it was bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, but and, 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 that's, and the obviously like, that's are... why that's why he was kind of granted clearance from it, right? Because you're never going to assume that the head coach is right. responsible for these kinds but, of injuries. So bottom line, like his whole sort of like curmudgeon persona is that's just really who he was and it's 100% the old, school, old yeah. school football head coach mentality of i don't give a shit that the nfl's trying to you know that we negotiated with players for less hitting in practice for all of these things that will actually be better for the longevity of players he's just like no we gotta we gotta work until we're about ready to die and yeah, that's how we get good. That well, kind of other, attitude. There were other weird things that happened. So for the longest time, they were in the exact same hotel. And that had been since like the original Super Bowl days, like the John Elway Super Bowl era, that they had been in the exact same team hotel before home games every single game. 
Vic Fangio thought that after his initial two years there, when they seldom won a game, that the reason or one of the reasons that they weren't winning games is because that hotel was bad luck. Despite the fact that that was their team hotel for three Super Bowl okay. victories. I respect that, though. <laughs> I I like the this hotel might be haunted and cursed. Let's get the hell out of here. And I don't know. Let's find a Ramada, guys. There's more. Uh, there's more to in. it. There's more to it. When he was trying to find other hotels, he would post them up downtown by the stadium. Or at one point, I know he was trying to get them over at the Gaylord Resort. The reason oh. for him oh, doing this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's very took nice. Will there when he was in town. Yeah. Maybe you and I could go sometime. We both Gaylord. live very close. Yes. Um, it's fun. Now, now I forgot what I was going to say because I. Let's you know, just go now, to the Gaylord. No, no, your, your arms are out. I'm like getting all flustered and hot and bothered. So he's, he's changing. Hotels. No, so he's. He's he had had them staying in hotels really far away from where they live because he did not want them to go home to their families before the game. Like on the day of the game, he wanted them to go from the team hotel straight to the stadium. So, again, it's just like it's these little things. Again, that's not the straw that broke the camel's back. But a lot of these guys on the teams have families. They have wives. They have kids. You don't think that they want to see their family like the day, like the morning of a game. Like they have their rituals. I mean, that seems like the players not taking advantage of a sweet opportunity to be. Away but, from well, but here's the thing: like they they were more than welcome to do that, right? And and I'm sure there were some oh, guys. Kidding. I get that, it. I've no, got no, a kid like, now. no, you're right. Like, but some guys can do that. But like other people, like other guys, like they uh, they have a routine. And so when you're the head coach and you're trying to do this, man, it's just like you're ruffling so many feathers. You got to right. ask yourself: Is it worth it? No, oh, they not, just missed a game winner by like two inches. My God. They've had two goals nearly go in. Their goalie is so good. Have they do they have a shot on goal yet in this overtime period? The lightning? I don't know. It maybe one. Come on. I mean, the abs are absolutely dominating overtime right now. End it. Was did players like Shermer? And were they no. just like he's just dumb? Or <laughs> listen, man. The bad players, person. The players did not like any of the coaches. Like they didn't really have a problem with Donatel, but honestly, Donatel wasn't really a coordinator, right? Like he was kind of a glorified DB coach. Yeah. Uh, so we always wondered what he did. <laughs> no one, no one knew. The players didn't even know. They're like, "Yeah, he's just kind of here." Um, you know, they didn't like Fangio. They obviously like they they liked Tom McMahon as a person. Like I guess he was a good dude. Right, but they just had no respect for him as a special teams coordinator because he was so laughably yeah. bad, and they all like all of them just like genuinely disliked like Fangio and Shermer, not just as coaches but as people as well. And I think the worst thing, like of all the egregious things that Pat Shermer did, and there's there's a litany of things, right? Maybe the worst thing that he did, like as a head coach, is he never took responsibility. Like the offense is what they averaged, maybe 20 points a game, probably fewer. I yeah. think they scored an opening drive touchdown once or twice in his entire tenure as the offensive coordinator. And there was literally no team that had fewer in the NFL. Like during that time frame. Mm. the worst thing that he did was he never took responsibility ever. And it's just like, if you're a coach, even some, if something's not your fault, you take responsibility because that's what leadership is about. It's like, you know what? That's on me. I should have called a better game plan. 
And that was never the case. And what was so laughable about that is like everybody knew it was his fault. Right. You can't blame execution. It's like what what execution are you expecting? That that Noah Fant, like we said earlier, has to break three tackles uh, when he catches the ball six yards short of the first down marker. Yeah. Like what like what exactly do you mean by execution? And so the year before, like 2020, he kind of had the out of he was able to blame Drew Locke. It's like. Well, Drew Locke was no good. He didn't know how to run his offense. He made a lot of mistakes. And it's like, yeah, Drew Locke had a really bad 2020. But then he was out of excuses because he got to handpick his quarterback. Right. Teddy Bridgewater was the guy that he wanted and couldn't score points with it. So then what do you blame? Well, then you blame literally everybody else but yourself. And that's Except exactly when they played did. the Cowboys. Everything clicked that week. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was a fantastic week. The, the funny thing that about we... that, like I talked to some of the guys, I was like, yo, what was what was different? Why don't you guys play like that every week? And they're like, honestly, don't know. Like a lot of guys <laughs> didn't think that we would win that game. And good things happened, and then good things kept happening, and it just kept going on, and we kept scoring and we kept stopping, and we're like, shit. We just it turns out the I'm Cowboys aren't that good. <laughs> Cowboys aren't as good as we thought. We need so, a way like, to get the Cowboys on the schedule every year, I think. Uh, yeah. this, what was the last time we lost them? It was the 90s, wasn't yeah. it? Like early 90s? I think it's yeah. just one of those like weird that. things. Like we just we got their number. And usually we kind of beat up on them. Last time we played them, like you remember the last time we played them in Mile High and Trevor Simeon to- torched them so bad that everybody wanted, and m- including myself. Wanted to sign him to an extension. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know who this Simeon kid is. He looks pretty good. Simeon's a great story, him. man. Simeon's a great story. All right. So how how do the players feel then about the new coaching staff? Like you listen to Hackett talk about football. How could you not? And you go, tonight? okay, this is way different. He gets me excited. We know he worked with Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't been a head coach yet, but like do our players buying in to his personality and what he's bringing all the guys that i've spoken to so far they're they're all in chips are in the center of the table like they've they bought a hook line and sinker now at some point you're gonna have to play games and when you play those games you're gonna have to win okay it doesn't matter how likable you are it doesn't matter how rah-rah you are it doesn't matter how hyped you get the players and the fan base you have to win games that is the only thing that matters. So where they're at right now, they're in a really good place because they love Hackett. They're buying into what he's selling. They gravitate towards his energy. And that was the number one thing that they were looking at. They wanted to find the anti-Fangio. That's why for the longest time, I thought Dan Quinn would be the hire simply because he's kind of like the anti-Fangio yeah. in terms of like being a very uh, like a player-oriented coach, a coach that really cares about his players takes their, you know, their uh, everything into consideration. But that's how hack it is, right? And so I think even though maybe Dan Quinn was more, like, borderline more qualified, they loved Hackett and his energy and what he brought so much that they know his shortcomings can kind of be covered up by the fact that the guys will run through a wall from, like, effort will never be an issue. And isn't it funny that that's how you get effort out of someone as opposed to telling them that they need to just run themselves into the ground so that they no longer feel pain? Yeah, yeah you, you've got to respect the guy and 
you've got to want like that doesn't that's not just football that's any sort of occupation like i think everybody's had a boss that's been like fangio who you try to be like a good employee you try to make suggestions that you think can help your job and the business and then they just shit on you and you just don't want to show up for them anymore and, and uh, why would you? And so it yeah. got to the point, yeah, where they're like, they'll play because they're professionals and that's what they're paid like a lot of money to do. But they're playing for themselves and they're playing for their brother next to them. But there has to be that third cog. There has to be the fact that they are also playing for their head coach. It's like, if you are a head coach in the NFL and you can't motivate guys to win, I'd like. Oh, that did go in. That did go in. Did they score? They're celebrate. Oh, there's a fight too. They're celebrate. No, that's a just a celebration. Oh my! Please tell me that was Kadri. Was that Kadri? I thought it went in. I thought it went in, but then I didn't see the puck, and now everybody's celebrating. The score hasn't changed. I want to yell, Whoa. but then my wife will get mad at me, so I can't yell. What happened? All right, hold on. I'm looking at the replay. He said Vasilevsky. It's not Kadri. Arguing. It's Kadri. It's Kadri sneaks it through. It's in. That's it. Is that a goal? It's Are we Kadri. Yes, Kadri just scored the game winner. Holy fuck. Oh, that's that's a no-brainer. Like, why did, oh they, why did they not ring? Why did they not ring the bell? Or not the bell, the, the lamp. They light the lamp. That's what it's called. I know hockey. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, because they got stuck in the net, and they thought it was on top, maybe? Oh, that is... Oh, okay, so it wasn't just me being stupid... Unreal. I, like I, I jumped and I saw Will see me jump, and then I was like, "Oh, that didn't go in." I'm not even sure what I was saying, like because I was talking, but I oh, was watching yeah, you and then watching now. the game. I have no idea what was just said. Oh, let's go, Perny. You oh, want to go? You're to game talking five? about Hackett being awesome. Uh, the Avalanche are awesome. They just take a three to one lead. <sighs> Kadri gets the game winner, coming back after injury. Turner, you want to go to game five? Should we get tickets? Go to game five. Go, go, go do that. Go do that. Hockey. When is that? Friday? Yes. Uh, Maybe. Listen. I mean, I really want to. Our kids can have a slumber party. Our wives can meet because our kids are going to date eventually. So we might as well just, you know, let them stay the night early. Get used to it. Yeah, it did get stuck in there. Maybe uh, I got to talk to Jess because I'm do I'm doing a boys' night tomorrow night with a buddy of mine I haven't seen for a while. So she's on kid duty tomorrow, and then she'd have to be kid duty again. Was this the know. most? Was this the most awkward overtime winner of all time? Nobody celebrated like, and it seemed like a pretty obvious goal, and no one celebrated. They yeah, didn't it took like a the lamp. Nothing happened. And then they all kind of came over. They're like, hey, we scored. <laughs> we won it. All right. All right. So the Avs did win, uh, which is good because in my rundown for the next That's Good Sports episode, I put Avs win. <laughs> I will. Well, I, I feel like this was because of us. Yes. You said at the very beginning of the show that we were trying to manifest that positive energy. And us doing the show was going to make them win, and we did it. You're welcome, Avs fans. We did it. We brought you this W for free. For free. Um, all I was going to say do is the DraftKings thing. Do it. If the if the Broncos lose, 
it will be a battle between Hackett and Russell Wilson in terms of who is going to take the most blame for the loss. Yeah. Oh, and, and like, it'll be a battle of cliches too. Like, oh my every god, cliche yeah. in the book of like, you know, we just we, we got to go out there and give a hundred ten percent. I got to be we better. Didn't, we just didn't best. play our best game. You know, I got to call a better game. I got to play a better game. I got to do it for my brothers. Besides, it's going to be everything, man, and it's going to be obnoxious, but. It's going to be refreshing to see at the same time, right? Well, because they're not going to lose that much. I'm no, exactly. It'll happen they... two or three times at most. Yeah. 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 Maybe Dude. one. Maybe one time. You tell me who you want dirt on, and I got dirt on him. Even uh, if you want to do it off air. And then I you want AFC decide. West. I want the rivals. I want dirt on the Chargers, the oh, Raiders, man. and That'll the be Chiefs. Tough. Um, because, like, Mario has real relationships with players. That's the difference. I mean, but like, not in the AFC West, though, but yeah. No, but I'm saying with Broncos players. Like, well, I, I, you do I, I do have with them. You work with them. <laughs> I do like, have one more thing. So, um, give it to me. So, Philip Lindsay obviously signed with the Colts. Um, there, There's one of two things got, that could have happened in that whole situation. So, George Payton did reach out to Philip Lindsay before they re-signed Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon wanted too much money. And he had taken a couple other visits and there were other teams that were, let's just say like higher on his list or maybe not higher on his list, but like other teams he was considering kind of like before thinking, okay, I'm going to return to the Broncos mostly because he, he wanted to be that number one running back and he knew coming back to Denver, he would, you know, not play second fiddle to Javante necessarily, but you know, Javante would be, let's say one A and he would be one B. Right. And if, if we're being, it's kind of just like their roles would their roles would flop. From yeah, yeah, year. exactly. It'd be it'd be the opposite of what happened last year. It's like Melvin's going to get his touches. Javante will get a little bit more. So the team starts talking to Philip Lindsay because honestly, Phil would have fit this offense incredibly well. It's kind of like a one cut and go and burst. So there are way more opportunities for Phil Lindsay to break those big runs that we had seen him as opposed to like what he was relegated to in the Shermer offense. So they brought him in for a visit. They're talking, and Phil said. Like you can even pay me like basically league minimum. I like I'm not expecting to be the number one running back, but he's like drop some plays for me. I can be the home run hitter. You know, I'll break a couple. Just let me get in a little bit of of a rhythm sometimes. And so they were really considering it, and it was leaked that then the Broncos were interested in Philip Lindsay, and Melvin Gordon then wanted to sign shortly thereafter after that information oh. had been leaked. So the two theories are, one, they leveraged Philip Lindsay in order to get Melvin Gordon to resign because they, they, they didn't – I mean, Always I think everybody knows that they weren't – leveraged on. They didn't get they, – they didn't get along really well, right? Like everybody knew that Melvin didn't necessarily have a problem with Phil but felt weird about him. Like he had made a lot of different comments about – Oh well, Phil's the fan favorite, and Phil's this, and Phil's that, and blah blah blah. It's just I didn't like, know. wow. Like, he, like, he was threatened by by Philip Lindsay a little bit. Like that's kind of the that's kind of the vibe that he gave off. Um, so it was either that, or it was just the you know a sense of um, Melvin Gordon's agent saying, "Listen, Melvin, if you don't resign with Denver and you sign it two and a half mil, they're going to bring in Philip Lindsay. They would give him less money, but then that's just another team off of your radar." And I think that was kind of like his ace in the hole. It's like, you know, I, I think he was he uh, he was in Buffalo. I think he was in Baltimore, maybe Tampa, like were some of the teams that they were interested in him. He was interested in them, but they didn't want to break the bank necessarily. Oh, he's a running back on his, 
I mean, it would have been a perfect place for him. He right? would have, they would have won the Super Bowl. That's just what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I think you're right. And to torture I think, me. I think Melvin would have liked it because then, you know, he's trying to get his money, as he should. And so you go down to Florida, you have to pay taxes on that contract. So that would have been good for everybody. So I think his agent honestly said, look, man, Denver is interested in Philip Lindsay. And if you don't strike now that offer that they have on the table for you that they've kind of left open this entire offseason is gone because they're not going to sign Philip Lindsay and then you and then have basically four running backs that they have to figure out. And like it was maybe two days after that news broke was when Melvin uh, re-signed. Wow. And honestly, man, going into the offseason, like I, I feel like I'm pretty well tapped in. I thought for sure Bryce Callahan re-signing was – I thought that was going to be a – Oh, yeah, that was a surprise to me. And that's I – mean, honestly, like, oh, yeah, I know Bryce. He's he's awesome. He's a buddy of mine. I He's really good, obviously, when he's on the field. But yeah. based off what I had heard from, like, some of the guys, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. Like, yeah, they'll extend Bryce. They're going to give him a one-year extension. Um, you know, keep him around. Everybody on the defense really likes him. Again, he's good when he's actually on the field. And I think the most frustrating thing was they obviously didn't offer him because he took a veteran minimum. Like the Chargers are paying him literally the minimum amount of what you should be. It's like you have a premier slot corner when he is healthy and you can get him at that price. It didn't make a lot of sense. So I thought he would be back for sure. And I thought for sure that Kareem Jackson was out. And I'm absolutely thrilled because I love Kareem. He's one of my all-time like favorite players now, just the way that he handles himself and how he is as a person and the way that the guys rally around him. And I did not think that he was going to resign because he told me he didn't think that he was going to. But then again, he said the same thing last year. He was just like, yeah, man, I, I don't think they want me back. I don't think I'm coming back. And I was like, no, oh, Kareem, like, I'll yeah. start to go fund me for you if they don't give you enough money. He's like, no, nah, man, like, it's cool. It's like, Bigger and better things, blah, blah, blah. And then he resigned with Denver anyway. So I'm like, I'm going to tell him, I'm sick of playing this game with you, man. Next offseason, if he tells me next offseason, like, yeah, I'm definitely coming back. I'm like, oh, he's he's, he's done. Times change because we were like, hey, Kareem, come back and convince Deshaun Watson to come play for us. You remember That's that? That's what we were doing last year. The and... funniest thing about that, too, is like they're not even that close. So all of these like alleged reports of like, oh yeah, he was talking to Deshaun Watson, he was recruiting him. He, just he was just trying it. to get publicity for yeah. a show or like whatever appearance nice. he was doing. Like he had he he and Watson are not close, and Watson wasn't gonna come here regardless. So thank God. Thank That's a good thing. God. Yes. Because all I right. will not give a happy ending. I don't care how many people have done it for him. I don't care how much money he has. I'm above that. We're all above that. Yeah. Yeah, we got the good quarterback, Russell Wilson. Yeah. He Go never did. Jesus. Good one. <laughs> and you Nailed made it. it through the podcast. Bam. Thanks for joining us, Mario. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, Mario. Yeah, You're a dude, good guest. Thank you. Thank you. You've got I a lot of information. You. you allowed me to watch some hockey, uh, the Avs win. And we'll get you back a, on here. Overall, it was a great experience, man. Um, you got any? I mean, you plugged your business. You got anything to plug before we leave? No, no, I'm good. Mario's? I don't. I don't. You know, I don't need a lot of. I don't need a lot of publicity or anything. It's like, mm. you know, if people want to follow me on Twitter, great. But like, I'm good. I feel like when I got to 5K, I felt really good about myself, 
and most of those are real. Yeah. Um, from this point on, it's like, eh, whatever. At Mile High Mario, at Guillermo Yaves, that's where you can follow these guys on Twitter. Have you guys ever met before? Oh, good. Thing uh, I no, inter- first time. Cool. Never. Well, good I thing mean, I introduced briefly, you before we started. Briefly last, Whoa, briefly last in the week car, in my yeah. car. Yeah. Oh, right, right. yeah, yeah. When you right. couldn't hear or see me, apparently. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think good night. And John Elway plays his entire career without an ACL. And good luck. Oh, wait. No. Really? It was about as awkward as the way the Avalanche game ended. Hello, hockey fans. <laughs> the final chase for the Stanley Cup is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final has a can't-miss offer for the most exciting series in sports. New customers can bet $5 on either team to win their game and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the final? Well, with DraftKings same-game parlays, you can do just that. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings, of course, is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, even when you're on the toilet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.